previously on Popping Collars. I, I was laughing because, first of all, no, I don't rehearse anything. So nothing is rehearsed. However, I actually put in little parenthetical phrases of like, you know, uh, show hand gesture. You know? And like, you know, move arm to the left. Because there's certain things I want them to be able I don't want to forget that when I, I want there's a visual that goes in. And it's so dorky. People say, I loved your sermon. Can I get a copy of the text? Sure. So I have to go back and take out all the parenthetical phrases. <laughs> It'll be embarrassing. I mean, I'm sure Bruce Springsteen has the same thing in front of him. I'm really positive. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen has pause to shed a tear. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Three tears from left eye. Yeah, that's right. Um, Very specific. <laughs> Welcome to Popping Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. My name is Greg Knight. I am the director of Children and Youth Ministries at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co-hosts, Betsy Gonzalez. Betsy, where are you and what are you up to? I am here at the Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia, where I serve as the head chaplain. And we are just kind of on hurricane watch because you know we haven't gotten enough weather here and thinking about people down on the coast and all that stuff so it's uh it's kind of what the weird calm before the storm a little bit around here but we're back at school everybody we're back we've been in like not even all week in classes so everybody uh, has sharpened number two pencils ready to go the smell of trapper keepers are in the air (laughs) Uh, we also have Liz Easton. Liz, where are you and what are you doing? Hey, Greg. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, where I serve as canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska. And um, it kind of feels like the last gasps of summer here. I uh, spent much of my afternoon reading by the pool at my gym, and I feel like that's the last chance I get to do that. It's here. all pumpkin spice lattes from here. Ooh, that's right. yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready. Too soon. Too soon, Greg. (laughs) (laughs) And we have a special guest for this episode, Steve Castle. Steve, where are you and what do you do? I am uh, also here at Episcopal High School with Betsy, not sitting with her. I'm about probably a quarter mile away, but also on the campus. I teach physics and I serve as one of the deans of the 12th grade and I'm the head wrestling coach and I'm also a varsity football coach here at Episcopal High School. All right. That's what I like. That's what I call a segue. Because that gets us into the episode. This is episode 91 of Popping Collars. And our topic today is one of the Mount Rushmore television shows of our current golden era of television. It's Friday Night Lights. This is the TV show based on a book and film of the same name. Set in the small town of Dillon, Texas, where only one thing really matters, and that is high school football. Uh, Friday Night Lights goes deep into the stresses of high expectations, whether it be winning games, getting into college, or caring for loved ones. It also reveals the hope that comes with loyal teammates and the support of those who love you. Okay, so a quick question to get us started. I'm not going to ask you who your favorite character is. I'm wondering instead 
what trait from any character would you wish to have if you could pick one? So, for instance, would you want the wisdom of Coach Taylor <laughs> or the loyalty of Tim Riggins oh. or the care and kindness of Matt Saracen? What trait from any character would you choose for yourself? And we're, we're going to start with you, Steve. What, what character trait would you choose for yourself? Well, you sort of threw out all the all the good traits, but I'm actually think I'm going to go with the the for a coach anyway the low hanging fruit of uh, Coach Taylor's just ability to inspire devotion in the kids he coaches. You know, as a as a coach, that's really I think what you're hoping for, and I think he does it does it so well. But the way he engages the kids and the way he uh, just stays with them. They are absolutely devoted to them. Yeah, yeah. Very good. That's a good one. Uh, what about you, Betsy? What trait would you hope oh, to have? I mean, I'm probably going to fangirl all over Tammy Taylor. Like, <laughs> oh, get in line. But not. I'm not picking her for my <laughs> trait. And I know I don't know what the listeners can tell though. My accent is like on fire, and it has been because I was the latecomer. <laughs> To this show, right? This was one of my shows that people were like, what do you mean you've never mm-hmm. seen Friday Night Lights? And I was like, I just haven't seen it. And what we just figured out with Greg was I was mixing up the Friday Night Lights movie with Varsity Blues. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Real bad. So, of course, I'm like, I don't want to watch a TV show that's like some sort of takeoff of Varsity Blues. That's awful. So. <laughs> I'm the latecomer, so I have been binging a lot right now. So I'm wanting to call people Hun and mm-hmm. Sweetie and stuff. But the character trait that I'm going to choose is my good friend who I've gone on a journey with, Buddy Garrity. <laughs> and I'm going to choose Buddy Garrity's hope and humanity. Mm-hmm. I think he, um, he he starts out, you know, it's kind of you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's a thorn in the side of, of the whole Taylor family. And then... He screws up. He, he screws up, and he takes him a bit, but he owns that he screws up. And but that constant hope and faith that he has in in the team that this season he's that dad. You know, this season, this season he doesn't even have a kid on the team. He played on the team, and he has a kid at the school, right? But he's the backer. He's the booster. He loves the team, and everything he's doing that's so annoying is coming out of this place of love. I often wonder whether I am perceived that way at times. What I do is it feels annoying, but it comes from love. What about you, Liz? What character oh, trait are you looking for? So many. I mean, I do kind of want to be Tammy Taylor when I grow up. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, I rewatched the final episode of the final season right before we started recording. And I've watched this show, like, I've watched the whole thing, but every once in a while I jump back in. But in terms of character traits, I would maybe go with Landry's um, integrity. Mm-hmm. He is just mm-hmm. um, himself from start to finish, even kind of against odds. Or Tyra's grit. Like, I'm not like her in a, many ways, but um, her just sort of determination, grit to get through things, have a better life, mm-hmm. kind of go after what she wants. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've been talking all around Tammy Taylor. And so I, I that's that's honestly like who if, if I had to pick a character trait, just knowing myself and like the place where I could probably use a bit of a boost 
it's her patience and the way she will take the craziness that's happening around her and kind of like scale it way down so that she can kind of approach things one at a time and deal with things as they come. Like uh, even spoilers. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Guys, Greg sent me a full list of like, check out these episodes because I was the one behind and I, I've chosen to watch in order and I fully appreciate that there will be spoilers. I've done two seasons. It's okay. Go Greg. Even when spoilers, even when coach Taylor gets fired, like she doesn't. (laughs) I mean, jump, jump, jump right to, uh, you didn't bury the lead there. Did you? Let me just tear that bandaid off, Greg. Dang. Wait, and yes, here, gonna, I'll do what Tammy does. have to let that unfold, though. This is what Tammy does when people, she'll be like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like, like she, I'm hearing you. I think that that's actually the trick of, uh, or it's not a trick, but the what I've learned about pastoral ministry, just period, with people of any age, mm-hmm. that, like, I didn't learn in school, and it took me a long time of, like, reflecting to realize what was going on, which one is just showing up and as much as yourself as you can possibly be, like just being yourself fully for the people that you're called to serve and be in relationship with. And then also being the one person in the room who is able to be unflinching in the face of your suffering. And that usually doesn't require a lot of words. It's just an ability to like look a thing in the eye and not flinch is a gift to people. And that's what coach and Tammy both do in their own ways in for one another in their family, but then also in the jobs that they do in the world, which are ministries, you know, really they don't frame them that way, but they're people who are following their passions into a service oriented type of work. And they're utterly themselves and are usually the ones that people turn to in really hard times. The thing about Tim Riggins that to me is that I, I love just, you know, you got to love the toughness and kind of the quiet tough guy. But, but then to your point, as the, as the series progresses, when it comes to the people around him, you end up being able to count him to do the right thing. 100% of the time, except in the eyes of the law. Like when it right. comes to like, things that are legal and illegal. he's going to make the wrong decision 10 times out of 10. But yet when it comes to the people around him, he just seems to do right. Uh, It's pretty, it's, it's really, I love watching that about the character because it's his life is a train wreck yet. He seems to do right by the people around it most of the time. And I think that this may be true in my experience that empathy is, is like a muscle group that you were, I mean, it's, you know, we kind of like to think that people come out perfect and that, Oh my gosh, this person has like skills for, you know, being empathetic and like sitting with people and all of that stuff. And, you know, part of that may be true, but it's also like, if, if this is something that's important to you and you work at it, you can learn to be, an empathetic person. Like, and I think Tim Riggins finally gets there by the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I show with, when I meet with my vestry at the beginning of the year, I show that little animated Brene Brown clip that talks about kind of silver lining things and being empathetic over being sympathetic. And, and I kind of remind that of them that, you know, kind of as the vestry, you might've 
you might be one of those people that people just come and talk to. They just come and talk to you and you, people talk to you on public transportation. People talk to you on airplanes. People, you know, people talk to you and you kind of don't know why and you don't know what to do with it, particularly when they unload something and they lay it at your feet and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this? And as Liz said, use very few words and just kind of be there. Um, but I'll often, I will have kids who say, you know, I really want to get better at that. Mm-hmm. Like what you're talking about. Like, I don't feel like, People do speak to me sometimes, but I don't always know what to say. And just giving them the out to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, with somebody is okay. And not knowing what to say is okay. And actually saying, I don't know what to say right now. I'm just so glad that you told me, you know, that that element. And I think working in schools, I think seminary preps you for kind of going out and being the pastoral superhero. And I got my cape on and I'm going to come in, I'm going to save this community. And then I started working in schools and I'm like, Oh, Holy moly. Everybody here is doing this work. Everybody here is doing this. So I actually, I've got to take care of the caretakers. Right. Everyone around here. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm checking in with people like Steve, with people around who kind of, you know, everybody has their own pockets and people that they're looking after, especially when we all live together. I mean, essentially Steve and I live at Friday night lights in, in, in at least in terms of the amount of hormones present. Oh, there's no question. There's no question about that. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I listen to y'all talk about the, the pastoral side of things, I think that certainly in the clergy and among teachers and coaches, there are those people who have that X factor, that charisma right out of the gate where kids or members of the congregation naturally gravitate towards and connect to them. But then the other piece of it that I've discovered over time is that really when it comes to making those connections, it's that idea of slow and steady, you know, I don't want to say wins the race because that sounds like it's a competition and that's not what I mean, but just that idea of it's that ability to listen and then follow up later, you know, whether, you know, if you didn't feel like you had much to offer in the moment, just that idea of coming back around to say, Hey, I'm so glad you spoke to me earlier. I just want to let you know if you want to chat tomorrow I'm available or, you know, come find me, come see me anytime. But just that being present for those who seek you out all the time and doing it in that really low key, you know, manner where that is, I think, such an important thing. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about before with, with certainly uh, Tammy and, and Eric and what, and what they bring to the table as characters Oh, I was just going to say, I think that's absolutely right. And the thing about the super charismatic pastor, and I would imagine this is true for coaches, like you try to get the rock star coach from the other town to come coach your team and stuff, is in my experience, usually the charismatic ones are the ones that cause trouble. They, either because they have they have lived on their charisma for so long that they never had to develop boundaries they get away with a lot of stuff so they don't want to establish boundaries or simply because they burn out because the whole community that they're leading is, is gathered around their personality, which is just too much pressure for people. So to me, like the real mature leader is the one that works the way that you described Steve, like kind of a slow, constant, consistent, reliable presence in a person's life. That's who people ultimately want to be around I think that Friday Night Lights is one of the only network television shows that tells the story of an abortion and actually follows it through. 
you know, and so what, whatever you feel about abortion, I'm not getting into that argument here. Um, the fact that a TV show dealt with it in such a way that um, it was controversial, it was painful, it was difficult, and it didn't destroy anybody's life. And that's how they handle every hard thing that comes on the show, which um, I think is sort of the genius of the show. Like when I watched the first episode, I'm not a big football fan. So when I watched the first episode and Jason street is injured and paralyzed, I thought, Oh, for God's sakes, I cannot watch this. If it's going to be one of those like high drama, the worst things that can possibly happen to a football player just happened on the first episode. Like what is this show? Well, they ended up dealing with that in this incredibly realistic, I think, human way where they just showed a family walking day by day through this tragedy and having to make really hard decisions and then continue living your life, which is what happens in real life. And um, the abortion storyline was a similar deal. And so many TV shows have very special episodes. Right. And then you're kind of back to basics. And this show doesn't do that. Like it feels really realistic in that way, but also far more hopeful and optimistic than TV shows of this caliber tend to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and I actually think, you know, to, to piggyback on the abortion episode, and I think it told that story without demonizing either side. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think that that maybe is one of the things that Friday Night Lights does so well is it shows you these stories, which are real, like, you know, all the stuff that's going on, you know, the Me Too, the, you know, some really tough things to watch teenagers doing as the father of two teenage girls and, and uh, you know, all that stuff. But it tells it in a very matter of fact way. Like mm-hmm. this is, you know, I think it tries to portray as as much as it can you know being that it's tv show like these are things that go on in high schools like this is what it is mm-hmm. and this is a part of high school life and this is a part of life and it and it just presents it as as a story i th- i was just gonna say i think that the the fallacy that um most teenage driven television shows and other media falls into is this idea that at any moment in your teenage life, you could make a decision that will literally destroy your life. Like it's done. It's over. And it is true that we're all capable of that, making that type of mistake. And yet most of us have the experience of making bad decisions and dealing with the consequences and not ruining your whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, like that, that's the real story and is the story that I would think you would want young people to like, understand even though the stakes are often high the truth is we all screw up we're all broken people and make mistakes and sometimes those things are really hard and that's what this show does so beautifully is it just it follows that through and each character is still just like you said steve like totally human totally lovable and continues to be beloved that element too, like we've even had both our adults in our community this year and kind of our pregame faculty staff getting together and talking. And then the, our like leadership kids pregame getting together talking about the year. Both of them really named that we could be better as a community at saying when we're wrong and then dealing with the mistake mm-hmm. that we don't do that very well as adults owning like when we screw up, right. Or, you know, hey, sorry about you know, or I should have. Sorry that that homework didn't end up on on campus or whatever. And then and then to the kids being able to say, 
look, I just, I didn't do the homework. I didn't do it. You know, being like Tim Rickens, like I, you know, it's Wednesday. I don't go to school on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) There, there is an element on the show about family structure. So for instance, Tim and Billy Riggins, uh, no parents in their household. Uh, Matt Saracen, his father's gone off to war. His mother's MIA for a long time. Vince Howard in the later seasons um, played amazingly by Michael B. Jordan oh, uh, on that show. Vince, you know, has the issues with his mom's addiction. Uh, the father who will come in if he needs something, but mostly kind of like just drifts in and out of his life. Well, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is how sometimes family is something that you form, right? It's it's something that you find yourself in. It's not something that you're born into. It's something that you find yourself um, coming to, whether it's through a football team or through a drama club or through a church youth group or something like that. Sometimes you find your people in life just by searching. And I think that that's some of the stories of these kids, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the story. And yeah, Eric and Tammy kind of hold it down, but I don't think they hold it down in a way that they're surrogate parents. No. They're mentors to these kids along the way. But these kids still have the struggle that comes with not having parents. Yeah. You know? Talk about boundaries in ministry. That's one of the things that I think is kind of amazing to watch with Eric and Tammy is that the temptation, if you were the only stable grownups in these kids' lives, the temptation would be to swoop in and rescue in every single scenario and really to probably overstep inappropriately. And they know they have figured out how to do what needs to be done Mm -hmm. and then to kind of step away. You know, they're always like utterly appropriate in these situations, which I just think, especially in like a high risk environment like that would be so hard to do. Listening to talking about how Eric and Tammy managed to, you know, keep the boundaries appropriately. And I think there, I feel like there's two things going in, in reality, there's two things going on, whether this is like the intent of uh, the writers or not, but, but, you know, a, you can't save everybody all the time. You know, that idea, you got to take care of others by taking care of yourself first. And they have a finite amount of time to give. And some of it has to go to their own two daughters, which I think the the show gets into at points as well. Um, you know, Julie's resentment at times of Tammy and Eric's devotion to the other kids. But the, the other piece of it is they have to partner with whatever families are there. They can't swoop in and step on the toes of the mother or the big brother or whomever else. Like there's a, you know, you, you have to walk that line carefully so so that it really you know you're not alienating the the family life of the people you're trying to work with and trying to support that you're you're being there as an additional support not as the the support and and you know we don't have a ton of that but there's certainly an element of what we do here what betsy and i do here is where you really need to partner with the parents so that you are not you know we talk about being in loco parentis but we're we're not uh you know we are we're not in the place of parents. We do some of the things that parents do here, but but it's not replacing the parents. It's truly partnering with it. And I, and I think that that the show really portrays that uh, really effectively and does so in a real way with with the appropriate amount of humanity and, and acknowledgement that mm-hmm. that 
you know, you can't be there for all the kids all the time. And even if you can, like they have families too. Yeah. There are people in those stands at those Panther games. They've got no kid on that field. Maybe they never had a kid on that field, but yeah. their kid is long gone. And, but this is just what you do. You show up. I went to a Friday night football game in a small Nebraska town once when I was just happened to be in town on a Friday night. And it true. It was in broken bone, Nebraska. And it truly was like the entire town was there. And our church, the church organist at our church was getting a special award. And like, you know, it's like, it's a whole community event. It's nothing like it is in Texas, but it's a whole community event. Everybody knows. Anytime I have the opportunity to go scout, a team that's playing on a Friday night, I'll go do it because I love just the whole vibe surrounding nighttime football, mm-hmm. Friday night football. It's just, you know, people are there with their families. I can remember once a year, we actually, or once every other year, we bring in lights and have a Friday night lights game. That's what we call it. Friday night lights. We have, uh, we bring in lights and we play one night football game every other year. But I can remember walking out, of halftime with one of my colleagues who was also coaching and just seeing the field covered with kids like the, you know, the five to 12 year olds running around playing catch on the field. Well, you know, before both teams were out warming up. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is what community really is. I mean, this is what it feels like. I mean, so for so many people, like there was no place they'd rather be at the moment. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I, I hesitate to, you know, exaggerate by saying that it feel that there's that electric feeling, but that's the word I would use. You know, well, when when you've really got it going, it feels just electric, and I love it. I've been walking in a country and I've been chasing after my shadow. Nobody asked me my name Maybe my baby will never see me again And I hold on to life in the palm of my hand I think God must really love this land every time on the show it's called our staff pick where one of us finds something in the popular culture that they've been reading or watching or listening to or have a subscription service for or something like that uh and they introduce it to us and they encourage us to seek it out and this time we have a staff pick from liz so liz what is your staff pick yeah thanks greg uh before i get into my staff pick people on the internet might have seen that ricardo and i ricardo is our other um host we went to new york a couple weeks ago and we went to the strand bookstore and we found the staff pick section and we yeah. took a picture in front of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so my staff pick today is an album, which I don't often do. And it is Nico Case's most recent album, which is called Hell On. And um, I'm a huge Nico Case fan. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her. She yes. um, is awesome. And it's hard, she's hard to pinpoint a genre 
Um, for a while, she was kind of thrown into the alt country genre, although I don't think that's quite right. She's It's definitely like rock and roll, a little bit of pop, and a little bit of alt country. And ultimately, she is just an incredible songwriter. So this new album, Hell On, is really amazing, diverse. Anyway, I saw her in Lincoln on Saturday night. And um, what I was struck by was, first of all, her live show is just amazing. It's like album level performance in terms of her voice and the band that backs her. And then also there was something about her and maybe it's just like my, where I'm at in life right now is um, she's like a grown up woman rock star. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, I mean, she's young. She's a lot younger than Bonnie Raitt. She's in her late forties, but like, you know, that feeling when you see Bonnie Raitt where you're just like, that's a grown up woman. Yeah. You know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Who's like singing these songs <laughs> and the, the perspective of that um, and sort of the, the grace of it and the real power. It was just really something to see. It was great. I've got her, all her albums in front of me on my phone. I brought it up. Oh, uh, the worst things get middle cyclone blacklisted yeah. the tigers episode um and live from austin texas you know yeah. which is where friday night lights was filmed where it was filmed uh, oh my gosh full circle we brought it back we brought it home um can i can oh, i put Steve. in a plug greg Great before job. we sign off yeah so so coming up on i believe let me double check the date saturday september 29th mm-hmm. at virginia theological seminary theocon is happening Oh, yeah. It's like Comic-Con for theologians. Like Comic-Con, but for theology nerds. This, this is a real um, thing? This is a real thing. <laughs> a real thing. That's um, great. I'm helping, out, I'm helping out. Going to rep popping collars at the event. Um, uh-huh. I think it's going to be great. Uh, and I think they have worked so hard over there, and they are killing it. And so I'm just, like, I'm very excited for kind of what what this kind of first outing is going to actually look like. You should do like a takeover of our Instagram or something and do an Instagram story from Theocon. I totally yes. Well, listen, Shayna Watson, she's been over there working on it. She's awesome. So if you're interested in coming, you know, let, you know, come on over and, and check it out. So, um, so, and I'll see you there. You can find Popping Collars on the web at poppingcollarspodcast.com. You can find us on all the social media platforms. Just type in Popping Collars in the search bar. And, of course, you can get our podcast in all of the usual podcasting apps like SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can also find us at Theocon, where (laughs) Betsy will be representing (laughs) us. Don't forget, uh, if you would like to support the show financially and get some sweet, sweet merchandise at the same time, you can buy one of our t-shirts, which are going quickly. I I don't think there's much variety left, so if you want a t-shirt, you better get on it now. Just go to poppingcollarspodcast.com slash t-shirts, and you can get your own. And finally, uh, you can find our show and lots of wonderful Episcopal podcasts on EpiscopalCafe.com. We love EpiscopalCafe.com. We know you will as well. Check them out for all your Episcopal news needs and beyond. And with that, that is Popping Collars for this time. Thank you, Betsy. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Steve, for coming on the show. We'll see you next time. Keep those collars popped. Popped.